Life can be stressful, even under normal circumstances. 2020 has challenged even the most difficult times of life. You need stress relief that goes beyond quick fixes. That's Headspace. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research and can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Go to headspace.com slash C-suite for a free one-month trial. Headspace.com slash C-suite. about a very important subject. It's about the theft of something that's very, very important to you. You see, what's kind of unique today is you don't have to be rich to be a target for thieves. You know, when I was a kid growing up in the little town of Hilo, Hawaii, we never locked our doors. You know, it was no problem. But by the 70s, you had to lock your door. Then after you locked your door, you had to put on, you know, some kind of invasion protection. So if it came through the window, it was set off. And so, you know, it just gets progressively worse. You know, you sort of protect your valuables, protect your valuables, and those ADT and all those other guys, Brinks. But today, even if you lock your door, they're going to come and get you. And today, they're not really after your money. They're something, they're after something far more important. So you could have nothing, and still they want to steal it from you. And it's a thing called your identity. So today we have uh, my, my sweetheart, Kim, and we're kind of worried about it because we have, you know, we've, we've, been, we've had a home invasion twice now. We live in a very secure neighborhood. We have, our own pol- we have our own police force, and we have real police force simply because this is the world we live in. But as you know, they don't really even have to come in through the door. They just come in, you know, through cyberspace today. So... Stealing your identity is, we're going to find out today why you should protect your identity, whether you're rich or not, because your identity, stuff like your social security number and all that, your bank accounts, your tax returns, are extremely valuable. I mean, you could be flat broke and still be valuable to an identity thief. So joining me today is Ken McElroy. He's Rich Dad Advisor. He's our partner on so many real estate deals. And just recently, Ken had uh, the experience of having his identity stolen. And also Robert Siciliano. He is a personal security and ID theft expert. And he is a CEO of ID Theft Security. Just recently, the head of the CIA got hacked by a high school kid. And the head of Homeland Security got hacked by a high school kid. Man, if you can't protect yourself from a high school kid, and these guys are the most powerful guys around, and they still get hacked. Well, you know, and you know, too, that if you walk into your house and your house has been burglarized, you know it immediately. You walk in, you go, where's my TV? Where's my computer? But when you get your identity theft, stole, your identity stolen, number one, you don't know who did it, but you don't always know when they did it. So sometimes, you know, you're talking about kids. These kids may have gotten their identities hacked, and they don't know it until years later when they go to, you know, buy a car or buy a house. So what I love about this show is, you know, the Rich Dad Radio Show, we're all about talking about how you build your wealth. And today is about how you protect your wealth and, more importantly, how you protect you. So welcome to the program, Robert and Kenny. 
Thank you so much. Uh, happy to be here. You know, this is a problem that uh, is affecting, some studies show as many as 10 to 12 million people every year in the U.S. alone. There have been <coughs> billions of uh, personal identifying uh, records compromised in the past decade, and it unfortunately is getting worse and not getting any better. Right. Uh, consumers are at a serious disadvantage in many ways. The system that we function under, the way in which we're identified, is based on paper documents such as birth certificates and driver's license, which is our, you know, they're plastic, but they're, you know, easily uh, repeatable, meaning they can easily be uh, counterfeited. Passports also can be easily counterfeited. Social security cards, you know, they are um, easily counterfeited. So all these documents that we're, we're stuck with, that we're identified with, uh, all can be bought and sold, all can be, you know, copied and scanned and recreated, and they don't really effectively identify you or I. And then there's the social security number. So on top of it all, we're using nine digits to identify who we are. Nine digits that are in databases and filing cabinets all over the place. So what you're um, saying, what you're saying, there's so many ways that somebody can access and steal from you today. In so many ways that they can become you based yeah. on such a simple form of identification, verification, and authentication that really ha that has not properly <clears throat> proofed or proved who we actually are. So, 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 and so the rea reality is dogs and in, in dogs in, in cattle have been identified more effectively than humans. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kenny, you recently got your identity stolen. Do you, do you know how that happened? <clears throat> this is a very funny story because Kenny's a funny guy. <laughs> but one of his best friends owns a company called LifeLock. <laughs> he gets free LifeLock but doesn't use it. I mean, God, is anything more stupid than that? <laughs> Kenny, come on. What happened? Know. What happened to you? Well, I called uh, I called Todd Todd uh, who was this? Todd Davis from yep. LifeLock, right? And I was like, he's a hey, he's the founder of yeah. LifeLock. I said, let's let's go have breakfast. <laughs> I sat down with him. I told him, and and he just he just dropped his head, shaked his head, and then berated me for about thirty minutes. Because he gave you what several free services, right? Yeah, yeah. I just never did it. So, so do you know how they hacked you? You know no, what happened? not exactly. Um, here's here's actually what happened was you know we were getting our taxes ready to go for this year and this is your partner too, right? Yeah, my partner, my wife, and his wife. So oh. four of us all um, were getting ready to file our taxes, and the uh, the the tax company that we use um, they <laughs> they said we have good news, we have bad news. The, good, the bad news is that somebody's already filed e filed for your taxes. <laughs> And the only way for, for them to know that is that they have your Social Security numbers. So, And why would they file for your taxes? Uh, what does in, that do? In the case there were refunds. So oh, in case there were refunds. Yes. There, so they're going after the refunds. Yes. So, Robert, what do you think of that? So tax identity theft is a huge problem. It's one that, unfortunately, has gotten a lot worse over the past four or five years. You know, when you think about the IRS and how they function and, you know, their, their methodology, uh, to a certain degree, the whole system is based on the honor system. <laughs> the government has an honor system. Honor system? <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> well, well, think about it for a second. You know, what you file, what you claim, to a certain degree, is based on you being honest. You know, and and the only you know uh, checks and balances on that system is you know getting audited. Right. right. So that in and of itself um, tells us that the I, the IRS isn't all that secure. Uh, and then it's even who you know files their taxes in opposing as whoever is based on the honor system. Like, there's no way to identify and authenticate 
that the return that they have is in fact from you. So or what? So, so let me ask you this: What did the guy have to do to become Ken Ken McElroy, or woman? You mean to become a victim? No. no. How, do, how do they even access Ken McElroy? How, how do you? What do they need to file for his tax refund? What would they need to have? They might need an employee identification number or simply a social security number. Uh, they may they might want to know a little bit about him. Uh, they can simply break into his mailbox and get some of his mail. And they but can the physical that. mailbox or the web mailbox? Uh, they can well generally your um, you know post office box right your uh, your physical address your the mailbox in the front of your home. So let, let me uh, ask let me the, ask you this you know I was just at the doctor's office and they want my social security number. Is that going to pick it up there too? They could get it from there as well. But, you know, in certain situations, you're going to have to give up your social. And I actually have no problem with that. Like, give up your social when they need it in order for you to get services. But there are things that you can and should do ahead of time proactively to reduce a certain amount of risk. Okay. Once again, it's Robert Kiyosaki of the Rich Dad Radio Show. The good news and bad news are getting your, your identity stolen. And today we're talking to Arvis Siciliano, personal security and ID theft expert. And we have Ken McElroy, who's... Very good friends with the founder of LifeLock. Todd gave Kenny free LifeLock. I mean, even Kim and I have LifeLock. <laughs> but you didn't do it. But they, but they got you. Huh? They came in and they got you. How'd they get you? Again, I'm not quite sure. Uh, you know, we, uh, you know, as as Robert pointed out, you know, we have our social security numbers on a, on a number of things as we go get loans, real estate loans, both um, commercially and personally. So uh, it's hard to know exactly how they got us because they got Laura, my wife, myself, Rob, uh, Ross, and his wife. So, so once you found out, I mean, I know you called Todd of LifeLock. and they, lunch no, with But him. then what do you, what do, you do? Did, um, he call, did he call you an idiot? <laughs> I think so, actually. <laughs> I think it was a little harsher than that. Uh, but, you know, um, we went down to LifeLock and we ended up uh, – he put – there's he has a whole team of folks, and Robert probably knows this, you know, as, as he pointed out. there's It's a huge, huge – now that when IRS started to do e-filing, it's my understanding – that that this is um, a lot more prevalent. Yeah, it opened uh, it up. So what's 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 prescriptive? What do you have to do now? Well, from what I remember, there's three divisions in the IRS. The ones of um, one's called the Taxpayer Protection Department, and there's an ID theft department, and then there's another department. We have to we have to navigate through all three of those in order to um, you know get reinstated. What, what do you mean by reinstated? Well, because um, we have a fraud alert now on our Social Security number, it's going to be a lot more difficult for oh. all kinds of things, you know, anything that I apply for now. So you do a lot of loans and all that. Is that going to affect your loans? It could. This? We haven't yeah, we haven't had to do that yet, but it very well could. So, Robert, do you have any advice for Kenny? So he certainly uh, sounds like he's uh, unfortunately had to go through this process, uh, and uh, he's doing all the right things. My guess is the IRS provided you with documentation to fill out now, so in the future they scrutinize not necessarily your tax return, but where it's coming from, and there's more uh, data that they look at to make sure that it's actually coming from you opposed to somebody else. So that, again, the IRS has a few documents to they put you on a list because uh, so they know that you've been a victim of this in the past, and they again they pay closer attention to who you are specifically, so they're not giving your refund to a criminal. Along with investing in identity theft protection, I've actually been to uh, Tempe 
the LifeLock, uh, their, their headquarters, and they know what they're talking about. Once again, it's Robert Kiyosaki of the Rich Dad Radio Show. We're talking a very important subject here, identity theft, and your identity is probably more valuable than any, anything you have. So you don't even need money to be valuable today. They can just steal your, your identity. As I said, when I was a kid, we left our doors open. Then it progressed to locking our doors. Then we had to put home uh, burglar systems in. And today, Kim and I live in a neighborhood where we have our own police, two police forces to back up our neighborhood. So our special guest today is Ken McElroy. <laughs> For Kim and I, he is our real estate partner, and we have millions of dollars invested with him. Now, I don't trust him because... <laughs> 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 and Kenny is the author of the ABCs of Real Estate Investing. It's a Rich Dad Advisor book. Please get that book, but get Robert's book on how not to get stolen. And the Advanced Guide to Real Estate Investing. And Kenny's website is mccompanies.com. And Robert Siciliano, he's a personal security and ID theft expert. He's a CEO of idtheftsecurity.com. And we're talking today about, you know, when the CIA, head of the CIA and the head of Homeland Security gets hacked and get their identity stolen by a high school kid. You know, well, that's what they claim it was. That's pretty bad. So we're going to find out that it really is not about money. It's how valuable is your identity. So today they want to hack, you know, they want to get the identity of kids who have nothing. And also they probably want Donald Trump's identity. And we fit in somewhere in between the two. Robert, let me ask you this question. Why would they want a kid's identity? That's um, uh, an issue due to the fact that a child's Social Security number is as valuable as an adult's Social Security number. Uh, you wouldn't think that a, a baby could get a credit card, but the reality of it is that a adult can get the kid's social, apply for a line of credit under the kid's name, and simply falsify the age and the address in which the credit card might go to. And once a credit report is established using that basic information, then the criminal can go ahead and open up a number of other lines of credit and can function as that child that's on paper an adult now could they could they do that to a dead person could they do it to a dead person also it can and has been uh, done with the deceased quite a bit now uh there was a time when the death master index would take quite a while to update and uh, it would uh allow the criminal to function as that deceased the what the what the what index Death Master Index. Is that one you're on, Ken? Social Security Administration <laughs> requires that uh, you know people whose family members are deceased, they submit the information to them. Often it's funeral directors that are doing that in, the, in behalf of the family. So, so when you're talking about kids, you're talking about they're actually creating a person. Well, they're um, not a, not entirely a fictitious person. You know, they're they're cre- they're falsifying the age of the existing person, and uh, they might alter the the person's name a little bit, but they're definitely altering the address if it's not a parent that's actually stealing the child's identity, which happens quite a bit too. So, the parents will steal the identity all the time. Oh wow! wow. Yeah. Really? Oh my because God! Because they, they because their be- their finances are so screwed up that they take their kids' identity. That's it, yeah. That's wow. exactly it. Wow, that's pretty desperate. And, Kenny, you talked about is that when, when you were at LifeLock and, you know, asking for abs- absolution from your sins, uh, they tell you that they actually can build an identity or something? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's exactly what Robert 
just said in that and what happens is you know kids don't really need their social security number for a long time yeah and so you know if, if they're going after these young social security numbers and then and then they're building an identity around that and they're building credit and um you know and then they use them later so so robert what so we're talking about the kids what is of most what is of real value to these hackers what what are they look what are they going after well, there's two two fundamental types of identity theft. There is uh, new account fraud and account takeover. New account fraud is when they get your social, and they open up new lines of credit, new accounts under your name, and you don't know about this until you're either denied credit because the bad guys generally, when they open up a new line of credit, they don't pay the bill, or I can, you, I, to- you know, I can do that myself. They don't need to <laughs> go ahead. Or, or they. Um, uh, or when the person, the victim, goes to check their credit, you know, to see, you know, what lines of credit are open and what the credit scores are, they see all these these revolving lines of credit that generally are defaulted on. That's when they find out about it, uh, and that is the most damaging in regards to your credit standing and your ability to get credit. Obviously, new account fraud uh, can significantly affect the quality of a person's life going forward because in a credit-driven society, uh, we're judged. Uh, quality of character based on our credit. So, Kenneth, they told you it's about nine-year process or something to clear something. Yeah, and and they basically uh, there's a fraud alert, I guess, and maybe it's seven years or nine years. Maybe Robert, you know the, uh, but yeah, there's a there's a time frame where wow. you know they're looking for you know. So when you apply for something now on your identity, your social security, they have a fraud alert thing on. Yeah, it? there's fraud alerts on everything, you know, and so we we you know we had to go. Um, Put you know go into all our bank accounts and you know anything that has as Robert said anything that has a social security number because you can open a bank account with a social security right, number right. Um, all those things we had to put fraud alerts on. So what does that do for him, uh, Robert? Um, when he has fraud alert and the bank sees it, what what does a bank do? What, what goes through and, the banker's mind? And 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 how how will this affect Kenny's business? I mean, there's personal identity, then there's the business, right? So there's, there's a lot going on here, and Kenny said a lot of things that, unfortunately, factually are incorrect. And what that means is that, first of all, fraud alert lasts for 90 days, and then it expires, and it's gone, and it's only three months. And you file that through the three major credit bureaus. And what that does is it is a, um, an alert to the creditors, to lenders that are checking your credit to issue you credit, that this person may be a victim of identity theft. And it prompts them, does not require them, but it prompts them to further authenticate the application and to contact you directly to make sure that you, in fact, are in the process of trying to open up this new line of credit. So fraud alert in and of itself has some value for 90 days. It's an extra layer of authentication. And you only do it at the credit bureaus, and then it goes away. It is probably the least effective form of identity theft protection there is out there today. What's up, guys? Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show. We're talking to uh, Robert Siciliano. He's a personal security ID theft expert, CEO of IDTheftSecurity.com. And Ken McElroy is a Rich Dad advisor. He's a partner on millions of dollars of real estate investing. And Kenny, and he's, his website is MCCompanies.com, author of ABC's of Real Estate Investing, which is lost your credibility on that book, but the advanced guide to real estate investing. Hey. I put how to protect your. Uh, but anyway, so so the, Rob- the, the, so the question we want to get into here is how do we prevent it? You know, what are they coming? How how many different ways are they going to come get us? Right? Yeah, because if if the ninety day is not effective, what is effective? So you mentioned um, your relationship with LifeLock. So what LifeLock does is they monitor your credit, they monitor your credit report. 
They look for new lines of credit being opened up under your name, which is a really good thing. Most identity theft protection services do that today. But what, what else that LifeLock does that most of the other services don't do is they monitor your social on applications for credit in real time. So for example, let's just say um, LifeLock has a relationship with American Express and someone's trying to open up an, a, a, credit, a line of credit under your name and LifeLock's service might see that application for credit as it's being processed in real time. They do that through a company that they own. The company's called ID Analytics. ID Analytics is like a under the umbrella of LifeLock. And so they see that application for credit as it's being processed and they'll contact you if you're a LifeLock customer to make sure that you in fact are in the process of opening up a line of credit with um, American Express. That's a really good thing. And to, to see in real time that application being processed keeps you out of hot water. So most of the other services, they don't know about it until the line of credit's already been opened okay. and maybe the damage has already been done. So that in and of, of itself is a really great thing. The other thing that you can and should do is what's called a credit freeze. Okay, so uh, sometimes interchangeably, consumers use the term credit freeze and uh, fraud alert because they don't understand the difference. A credit freeze really is the best thing that you and anyone should do to protect your identity. Uh, Robert, Kim, everyone should have a credit freeze right now. And what this does is, is it locks down your social security number on your credit report. Basically, it locks down your credit report so that nobody, including you, can open up a new line of credit until you, in fact, uh, thaw or unlock your <coughs> credit report. So how do you do that? Yeah, who do you do this How do you through? do that? So it's, it's relatively easy to do. So uh, administratively, uh, you keep good records, you get an Excel file, you plug in all the particulars into the Excel file. What you do is, is you go to each credit bureau, Experian, TransUnion, Equifax, right? You just go right to their website. And what was that again? What was that web website? The three major credit bureaus are Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax, Okay. right? So that's the three major credit bureaus. And you go to their websites individually, and you search the term credit freeze on their website. And when you're on their website and you search the term credit freeze, you will find the page to freeze your credit. So basically you're filling out some information, you fill out an affidavit, and you might plug in a credit card number, you're gonna, they're gonna probably want your social security number. They may want you to sign additional information. But once you freeze your credit, they're gonna provide you with a website to visit and a username and a password and or a code that you type in when you wanna thaw your credit okay so it might cost you 10 bucks per credit bureau for life to freeze your credit and it might cost you five dollars to thaw your credit temporarily when you thaw your credit which might be once a year or once every 10 years for that matter uh, if you're not dipping into your credit often then it might be like you know once a year five bucks is no big deal but as long as you have an excel file with all the particulars you know your name and your social and the different urls to each of the credit bureaus to thaw your credit along with the username password and code it's easy to do it's no different than writing a status update in facebook and can you do a credit freeze once your identity has been stolen you should freeze your credit now proactively before your identity is compromised right now and that protects you from new account fraud everybody sh everybody's credit should be frozen across the board right now but credit bureaus retailers banks have all fought so that you can't have your credit frozen across the board say that again it say that again retailers bankers and others have fought so you can't have your credit frozen across the board meaning like everybody's credit i think 
should be frozen, but they don't want your credit to be frozen because not. they can't issue you credit instantly like at a Best Buy, you know, for a $5,000 plasma TV. So, which means that all of your large financial decisions have to be well thought out, which is a good thing. Once again, it's Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show. We're talking to Robert Siciliano. Robert, your information is priceless. He's a personal security and ID theft expert. He's the CEO of IDTheftSecurity.com. And today we're talking to Robert Siciliano. He's a personal security ID theft expert, CEO of IDTheftSecurity.com. And Ken McElroy, who had just recently had his identity stolen through the tax return. We all heard about Target. They got hacked. Blue Cross, Blue Shield got hacked. 20 million and people in the U.S. government, got employees hacked. got hacked. Which just shows us too many employees in the government. <laughs> but other than that, um, how else can they get you and what else can we do there, Robert? The other type of identity theft being account takeover is generally when they get access to your existing accounts. Like simply having a credit card number in their possession is a form of uh, account takeover once they make unauthorized transactions. Uh, they get your bank account numbers, they can make unauthorized withdrawals, and so on. Uh, they get usernames and passwords, they can really manipulate um, everything in your life. If they get your uh, email address and, along with your password, that uh, can be problematic because owning somebody's email, uh, you own the person as far as if you're a hacker goes. Because uh, everything about you generally is in your email. So you want to make sure that your Obviously, uh, protecting your devices with updated antivirus, anti-spyware, anti-phishing, and a firewall. Make, make sure that all of your passwords are different across all of your accounts. You can't have the same password on two accounts. Trust me on that one. Uh, it's good to have a password manager. A password manager is something that allows you to have multiple different passwords and manage them effectively. It'll plug in your passwords for you, and it'll set you up with nice, strong passwords that... You may not remember, but that, that's okay because your password manager does, right? And then make sure your device's operating system is properly updated, meaning like if you're in Microsoft or even Mac for that matter, you automatically update your operating system to the latest version, which means it's the most secure version. Keep your browser properly updated. That means that, you know, your Internet Explorer or Chrome or Firefox is the latest version because all of your software, you know, it uh, eventually has flaws of sorts that are found by either good guy hackers or bad guy hackers, and exploited ultimately by the bad guy hackers. So stay updated, keep strong password, use a password manager to protect yourself from uh, account takeover. Now, as far as like your business partner being hacked and, and you being at risk, well, if he has data on his device and that data includes you, then yes, you are at risk. So you want to make sure that all of your accounts have different passwords, and you change your accounts, passwords, if, if in any way, shape, or form, your uh, associates may have those passwords in any way. When I go to a store and they want, I want to apply for credit, you know, it's called a credit app. Would you do that or not do that? I generally do not apply for credit in a store ever. So my credit's frozen, right? And I have my Visa, I have my American Express, I have my MasterCard, and that's it. I don't have like 35 credit cards, that's just insane. And then I have the vehicle that I have. I own it, actually, and so I'm not going to be getting credit for a vehicle. I'm in the house I'm going to be in for a while, so I'm not getting credit for a new loan anytime soon. So I'm not applying for lines of credit when I go to stores because, A, my credit's frozen. B, I don't need store cards, cards, you know. And most people shouldn't be doing that stuff anyways. As long as your credit's good, keep it that way. Freeze up your account, and, and there's no need to get 10% off everything. 
at, you know, at any yeah. store. Because now you're giving your identity to some, you know, cashier for 10% off. And what, what's that going to get you? And, and, and Robert, who, who are these bad guys? Who are they? Are they, are, they, is there, are they individuals? Are they organized crime? Are they government? Who's, who's doing this? Often it's those that have access to the data directly. So, for example, uh, you call up your cable provider and they ask you for the last four of your socials that person very well could steal your identity. So utilities, government agency employees that have access to your data, your employer and fellow employees that have access to your data. Uh, also, of course, criminal hackers that uh, hack major retailers or other entities, insurance carriers that get access to your data, and they sell that data on the black market to other hackers. So is there a whole market built around this? I mean, are there people build trading and selling and buying people's identities? 100%, without a doubt. Uh, it models the um, information brokers' legitimate business practices. Uh, criminals in the underground are selling our data on the web all day long. And I would say that with over a billion records being compromised in the past decade, and some say almost two billion records, depending on the, the, what you define as a personal identifying record, that chances are, more than likely, your information right now is in the hands of a criminal. Right now. What, what, so happen, I, what, happens, what happens if I'm social media and all that? Can they ac access either from Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff too? So what they're seeing on social is they're seeing all of your information that might be used to crack a password reset. So if like, you know, where you met your wife and where your honeymoon and your favorite food and all that stuff is part of your password reset like those knowledge-based authentication questions, then they might crack those answers based on your information on, on the web and Wikipedia, on your social. And so you want to make sure that those knowledge-based authentication questions isn't information that can be readily found by Googling you. Sarah, Sarah Palin's Yahoo account was hacked using that exact same process. One of the things that I learned through this process was, um, you know, because my kids are 14 and 17, yeah. And uh, my 17-year-old, you know, is starting to get a credit card. And, of course, he doesn't have any credits, so they, you know, they go to us. And then um, also they just want to – they need things, you know. So they're online buying things using our credit cards, and you don't always know where they're going. You, 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 know, you know what I mean? So that, that they, they suggested do, doing these prepaid credit cards for, the, for you know, even for our kids – uh, because there's no way for a kid to get credit without, you know, their parents co-signing. So that's another layer, um, you know, of exposure for us. So what, what would you say to parents, Robert? What so, would you say to parents in this situation? Well, I think that all parents should invest in identity theft protection for themselves, and they should invest in the same for their kids. So 17 and under, you can't actually freeze their credit unless you're from one of the states that allows that. So whatever state that you live in, you should search the term credit freeze in the name of your state and children and determine if, in fact, your state provides you the option to freeze your kid's credit. I think maybe less than a third of all the states in the U.S. allow that, but you should freeze your kid's credit and or invest in identity theft protection to watch their social. As far as credit cards are concerned, frankly, and hear me out right now, do not worry about credit card fraud. Straight up, don't worry about it. If you spend one second of your life's energy thinking and worrying about credit card fraud, then you're misdirected. You should, in fact, pay attention to your credit card statements. You should do that. You should monitor your statements and make sure that all of the charges are authorized by you and or your kids. Yes, you should do that. But as far as credit card fraud goes, there's nothing you can do to prevent it ever. So use your cards wherever, whenever, and don't worry about it. But you do need to pay attention to your statements. And the best and most efficient way to do that 
is to download your bank or credit card company's mobile application. So every time there's a charge made, you get a notification via the app and or you can go to the bank or credit card company's website and sign up for alerts and notifications. So every time there's a charge made, you're alerted to the fact. So this way, when you do check your statements, either online or at the end of the month, you've already seen all the charges that occurred. You've already, you've already uh, you know, confirmed with your family members that they in fact did make that charge. Because for example, I get a charge on my card for Sally Beauty for $199. I send a text to my wife saying, hey, did you make this charge? She sends me a text back saying, are you stalking me again? <laughs> I was wondering how, what kind of fight would happen between husband and wife in this situation. <laughs> I'd, I'd be sending a lot of texts, Robert. I don't know. <laughs> but, look at, but it's good to know about the charges when they occur because even when you get your statements every month, you don't know what half the charges are anyways because they're not where you actually shop because the merchant's name isn't the place you actually went to. You know right, what I mean? Right. It's all something different. So it's good to know in real time as these charges are occurring. You know, and I spend, you know, ten, fifteen thousand a month on credit card charges. I know every single charge as it happens and I'm cool with it. And that way I'm in tune with the activity on my cards. But don't worry about it, but do something about it. Once again, it's Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show. We're talking about identity theft. Our guest today, Ken McElroy, is our partner in real estate. And he just recently had his social security hacked through the IRS. And Robert Siciliano, he's a personal security and ID theft expert and CEO of IDsecurity.com. He's in, incredible information. And that's why we recommend you listen to this program once or twice. And your wife and kids or husband should listen to it also. Because this is a very valuable program. And as a lot I said, of information. There's yeah, a lot of information. It's in overload, this. really, <laughs> yeah, so you can take really notes when you listen to it again. But the whole thing here is this: is that years ago you could lock your door. Now you can't. You don't even need to lock your door because they're going to get you anyway, and they can steal something much more valuable than money or gold and silver: your identity. But Robert, let me ask you this question: What's the flaws? What is the weakness in LifeLock? Identity theft protection products can't protect you from things like medical identity theft. They can't protect you from um, tax-related identity fraud. Uh, and in some cases, they can't protect you from um, new account fraud. And they definitely can't protect you from account takeover. Right? But what they do effectively generally is protect you from new account fraud most of the time, depending on you know, the nature of their service. So in that respect, it's good. Primarily, the benefit of a good identity theft protection service is their restoration component. So if they have a really good restoration component, then well, often they I mean, will You mean restoring, so somebody gets hacked restoring their credit? Restoring their credit, you know, okay. fixing medical identity theft, fixing tax-related identity theft, fixing account takeover. You know, you have a human being on the other end of the line, you know, a case manager that actually knows who to call and what to do and how to fix this thing to reset the clock and make you whole again. That's the benefit of identity theft protection, you know, beyond, uh, you know, whatever new account fraud they can protect you from. The cloud. Is the cloud any safer than all the other Internet stuff? It's a funny question that I get from a lot of people. And my answer to that is the cloud is a myth. The cloud is the Internet. Like your bank and all of your data is, is in the cloud. But what's the cloud? The cloud is a climate-controlled building that your bank either owns or they rent or it's Amazon or it's Google or it's uh, EMC or any other company that or that stores uh, our data in behalf of your bank or whoever. And so the cloud is just, you know, the Internet, and it's climate-controlled, secured buildings, 
that we store our information on. Now, I have a lot of information in Google. I have a lot of information in Carbonite, which is a backup service that's a client of mine that I use uh, to back up my data. So in, in the end, the cloud is only as secure as the company in which you're doing business with. And generally, they have military-grade encryption. They have everything to lose and nothing to gain by not being protected. In addition to that, you and your device is where the path of least resistance is. For example, if all you use is a username and a password, and it's the same password you have for Facebook as you do for your bank, then, then you're vulnerable. The, your cloud is vulnerable. Whereas if you have, say, two-factor authentication or two-step authentication, whereas every time you uh, log in, you have a username, you have a password, and then you get a a text message for a one-time password, that's a lot more secure. That cloud will be a lot more secure because you have this additional two-factor authentication. Once again, it's Robert Kiyosaki. I want to thank you, Robert. We're running out of time here, but your information is incredible. What does IDTheftSecurity.com do? What services do you provide? By trade, I am a professional speaker. I uh, present in uh, corporations and associations all over the world. And uh, I've also uh, written a bestseller book. It's The 99 Things You Wish You Knew Before Your Identity Was Stolen. It's available on Amazon. Say that again. And what's the title again? 99 Things You Wish You Knew Before Your Identity Was Stolen. And I also you should have bought the book, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> I also work with uh, uh, security companies as a corporate spokesperson, uh, alerting the, the public to uh, their brand and how it can benefit them and make them that much more secure. Well, I, th I thank you for your invaluable and profound service you provide. I mean, I never knew 99% of what you said, so anyway, I, I appreciate it. And today, most of our questions are about the basics and fundamentals of real estate, and that's why we ask Kenny to stick around because we're just going to stay basic here. You know, these are the fundamentals about real estate. It's nothing to do with real estate. It's what you know about real estate that's most important. So anyway, uh, Melissa, it's good to ask Robert, and I'm glad Kenny is sticking around. Thanks for the time. And we're going to ask them some very fundamental real estate questions. We answer these questions over and over again. I get sick and tired of answering because the answer is always the same. But nonetheless, for those of you who are going to ask these questions, they're important to you. So, Melissa, what's the first question about real estate? Our first question today comes from John in Tucson, Arizona, favorite book, Unfair Advantage. He says, let's assume with a crash that unemployment skyrockets. How do we protect our real estate assets when the jobs are no longer there for the renters? Well, that's a very important question because real estate's only as good as jobs. If you have no jobs, your real estate's worthless. It's toast. Right, Kenny? Well, it's happened. You know, you can look at countries. You can look, look at, at cities. Detroit. Yeah, it, it's definitely happened. So when there are no jobs, uh, real estate values go down. Yeah. And I, I was just in Detroit, and they say oh, it's coming back. But yeah. I think they've just bulldozed down. You know, people say my house is an asset. Well, they just bulldozed whole whole city blocks of houses. Right. And, and you can, I mean, you can never guarantee that these jobs are going to stay. But what are some of the things that you would do, Kenny, to, to yeah, make a, sure that the jobs are strong? That's a great question. They, they, you know, one of the, you got to look at the kind of jobs. So, like, I've had properties that are near military bases. And, and then when those military bases deploy people to Afghanistan or overseas, you know, then all of a sudden there's no renters. So you have to look at, you know, the industry. And so what we're focusing on right now is the healthcare industry because mm -hmm. so it's know, growing. Baby boomers, you know, like Robert, they're, they're getting a lot yeah, of people are getting a, a lot older. So, <laughs> a lot older. I'm a baby boomer a who still has an identity. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so, 
you know, uh, like San Antonio, for example, has um, uh, it's very healthcare based, and and there's a lot of areas. That, uh, Arizona has uh, you got a lot of uh, healthcare, and so a lot of people are moving here for that. So. So look, are, you're looking at industries that oh, yeah. are growing and yeah. booming. Tech, yeah. of course, is another Tech, one. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah, industries away. that don't go down with the economy, that's the answer. Remember but, this, all you real estate guys, because I'm tired of answering this question. Real estate is only as good as our jobs. Yeah. And Detroit's jobs. manufacturing. That was, yeah. that's that was, why. That was their that industry. That was why it went it. down. Well, yeah. it also was because of left-wing communist government leaders, you know, the socialists and all the labor unions driving up prices and mismanagement at GM and Ford and all those guys. How do you feel about other that? Than, <laughs> other than that, you know, I mean, there's, you know, how many guys right now are rushing into Detroit? I'm going, go to Detroit. Are you rushing into Detroit? No, of course but not. But people say, oh, it's so cheap. It's so cheap and That's destroyed. What I don't, I'm like, it's like, it's like catching a falling knife. You know, like, like <laughs> how far is it going to go? Like, you know, there's no way. No, I would you should, never you should see that place. I mean, they've actually think of your whole suburb, and the bulldozers went through it and just flattened the whole thing. So it's, it's like a bomb went through that. So know, on a so, scale of one to ten, what would what would price be for you as a as a factor on property? Well, I've been in a position before where people uh, have wanted to give us real estate for free. Because real a liability if you got no Correct. renters. If you cost you, you money, yeah, right. You you have the tax, you have the upkeep, you have all that. So even if they give it to you for free, there's it's not know, free. There's, it's not free. <laughs> right. so, and Kenny, Kim, and I, you know, before the big bust in 2007 on real estate, we used to go to these big trade shows with Donald Trump and all that, and all these guys were selling all. Everybody was buying real estate. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. It was just disgusting. I remember this one one company, Kenny. Kenny, I always remembers it was. Beautiful blonde standing there with a nice brochure, right? Well, there were two actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had, they had a you know the big uh, pictures of of the high rises in downtown brochures. New York, and the brochures were I, the brochures were like twenty bucks each. They were beautiful, and the blondes were beautiful. Yeah, and yeah. The, so and the, the property here was a is dog. <laughs> and what Kenny and I know, the better the brochure. Yeah, the bigger the brochure, the worse the deal. So, yeah, that was it. So, pay attention, everybody. And then one time, there was another because I went to school to be a merchant merchant officer on sailing ships. They took some mothballed cruise liner, and they were selling them as condos. And I asked, I started asking questions like, "Well, how much does it cost to stay alongside the dock? What's your upkeep and all? You know, very basic questions. As a as a guy who ran large ships, you ask. And the expenses of ships are are much higher than real estate on land. And this, this young girl was nice body, beautiful hair, nice brochure, trying to sell me a condo on an old passenger liner. I'm going, you got to be kidding me. Note but to people, self, yeah. If, if, if you have to hire a model to, to sell real estate, <laughs> you got an issue. Most, most, most of your deals are ugly deals. You know, they, they don't look good. There's yeah. no, nobody promoting them. Well, we wouldn't well, be able to get do... models to our deals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you never do a brochure. <laughs> we barely get any numbers out of you these days. Kane doesn't even know, need a brochure because most of his deals are closed out before yep. he even has them. I mean, as soon as he has them, people are buying from him. That's when you know Kenny's good at what he's doing. Next question, Melissa. Our next question comes from Laura in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. We have a lot of property there, too, right? Yep. Good place. She says, with the current state of the economy, do you think interest rates will be going up? It really doesn't make any difference because that's what Kenny's book, The Advanced Guide to Real Estate Investing, you should get that and you should get the ABCs of real estate investing. It's the fundamentals of buying a property, identifying a property, 
But the advanced guys is the financing side of it. And while interest rates are important, and it's uncertain right now, Kenny, the finance, the financing more than interest rates is important, right? Yeah, I mean, interest rates are basically close to zero right now. So. They just issued a ZERP bond. Uh, bond, yeah. Yeah. The, the government will pay you zero so for your money. The, the quick answer is, well, yes. <laughs> they will go up because they're at zero. <laughs> so it's, it's tough to go down from there. But um, I don't think they're going to go up anytime soon because the, my, my, it's been my experience that the, that will just – it, will, it but, will slow down But what you did the in the last deal – was you kept it floating, but the moment it starts to rise, you can fix it, right? Correct. Yeah, we we, we got floaters, uh, floating interest rates that we can with fix. a with a yeah with what we call the ceiling rate, so we can never go above five percent. What else is interesting? I mean, I think it's interesting. I mean, rates are almost at zero, and everybody's worried interest rates are going to go up a half a percent or one percent. I know. I mean, it's we ridiculous. were making a lot of money when interest rates were at five, seven, eight, yeah. even ten percent. percent. We did twelve percent. So yeah, it, it really yeah. isn't that. I mean. They're, See, they're what talking happens, about half points here. That yeah, when real estate goes up, the price comes down. Yeah, you know what I mean. So actually, when real estate go, up, I mean, interest rates go up, a lot of these deals bust, and that's when you buy them. And I think what they do is they it's propaganda. They're they're saying oh rates might go up, and what they're trying to really do is they're trying to get people to spend to borrow to borrow yeah. more money. And yeah. they're saying well we better borrow now before they do. So, um, but you, again, when you look at the basic fundamentals. It's just a cost. So, you know, people often forget about that. It's, you know, when you're borrowing, it's the cost of the money. What's the cost of the money? And if you're putting it into assets, a cash flow, it doesn't matter, you know. Next question, Melissa. Our next question comes from Nicholas in Kansas City, Missouri. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He says, pretend you were starting your investment career and your strategy was buy and hold as it is today. What type of property would you buy? What type of financing would you probably choose? I'm going to be uh, barking at you guys a little bit here, but those are really amateur questions, very amateur. And I get sick and tired of answering. I know they're valid questions for you, and they're questions you should ask. But they're re- they really show a lack of any kind of intelligence at all. It's very simple, okay? Success is simple. If you're going to be successful, let's say golf, you know, you buy some golf. You go. You don't think you can buy them. Rent them. Take lessons. Practice. Take lessons. Practice. 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 Then you go play a amateur tournament. Then you turn pro. But what most people do in any kind of investment, they turn pro without any kind of education. Right? You see it every day, right? I do. Yeah. And those are where we get our deals from. Yeah, and I understand the question, and and um, you know, these people sometimes they want a really quick, simple answer. Um, but it's not, you know, what's different in, you know, it's different in Portland to San Francisco to Seattle to Phoenix to Salt Lake City to, you know, Denver. They're all different. So So. once again, we have Rich Dad's Education, Rich Dad's Coaching. You have Ken's book. If you're in real estate, you've got to get Ken's book. That's why I asked him to write it. It's called the ABCs. It's the basics. He also has the ABCs of property management because real estate is really about management more than anything else. It's a business. And then the third book is the Advanced Guide to Real Estate Investing. That's the tricks to financing and all this stuff. But most people think, and I, Kim and I have seen them every single day, they know nothing, and they go out and they buy something, and the trouble with real estate is not liquid. You can, it's hard to get into, and it's even harder to get out if the market crashes, right? 
No, really, really hard. So look, I, I got sick and tired of these questions, but they're valid questions, but it's not any different than if you want to turn to a golf pro, you better start practicing. And you do have to practice, practice. And I just want to say Nicholas is from Kansas City, and we have a great station in Kansas City, KMBZ, that we uh, have our show on. So thank you for listening, Kansas City. And I just want to say this to Nicholas is is it is about practice because Kenny you've been in apartment buildings for years and years you and, and Ross and and now you're venturing into a new field in the in self storage but you're not going to tell Nicholas go into self storage because he has no experience there Correct. so to ask what you're doing isn't what he should be doing this podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network for more top business podcasts visit c-suiteradio.com